0: Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show. For the longest time growing up, one of the big hot-button topics in the Zelda fan base was figuring out how all the games fit together. Since it's a franchise, it's natural to assume that the different Zelda titles are all pieces of a greater whole, and there were usually little nods here and there to suggest a connection to another game. But there'd also be some inconsistencies. People would get attached to their pet theories, or you'd have people denounce the whole thing, saying that each game is just its own standalone legend and not part of any chronology. I personally think this entire mess started around when Twilight Princess was new, because it took place in Hyrule and it obviously called back to Ocarina of Time. <laughs> But before that, Wind Waker had Hyrule flooded because there was no Link to stop Ganon. It made sense because Link, in Majora's Mask, left Hyrule and saved Termina instead. How is all of this supposed to work? Come 2011, Nintendo had released a little book called Hyrule Historia, and it had all the answers, well, partly meant to shill Skyward Sword, the newest one at the time, Hyrule Historius shed some light on a bit of the developmental side of a few things in the Zelda series, and that includes the long-awaited reveal of the Zelda timeline. Now, as much as I'd like to say that this was a very celebrated moment, I'd be lying. While not an offensive timeline, there were people who did not agree with a lot of the placements to the point where some would even say that Nintendo was wrong about their own creation. The biggest point of contention was the Downfall Timeline. So for context on what that even is, let alone why it upsets people, I have to give a basic rundown of the timeline and its different branches, and this may include spoilers for different games. As suggested by in-game lore, Skyward Sword is the beginning of everything. At the end of the game, Link and Zelda start a new world, and no points for guessing that it becomes Hyrule. We move on to Minish Cap, which introduces us to the Four Swords trilogy, despite being the final installment. It sets up Vati as a villain, and it's also the first chronological appearance of a few series regulars, like Beetle and Tingle. Then there's Four Swords, that multiplayer spin-off to Link to the Past's remake. And then we get Ocarina of Time... This is the first in the series to involve time travel, both chronologically in-universe and out-of-universe. Ocarina of Time was a game-changer. There's rarely a case of a time travel plot being clean, so of course Link's actions in the game have had a lot of consequences. It's long been theorized that whatever Link did in this game created two separate timelines, Nintendo agreed with this for Hyrule Historia, but then they pulled a fast one on everyone with the creation of a third timeline branch. In Ocarina of Time's ending, Link must leave the future Hyrule and return to his childhood. The adult branch of the timeline follows the world he'd left behind. The child branch explores the consequences of what Link does once he returns to the past with his future knowledge. The Downfall Timeline involves Link getting killed by Ganon. This turn of events has been highly criticized. For one, it seems uncharacteristically bleak for Link to simply be killed off at any point. Another is that this puts an arbitrary amount of weight on the conclusion of Ocarina of Time. Why is it that Link's death at the end of this game creates a new timeline? How come there's no special timeline for if Link dies in Twilight Princess, or Link's Awakening, or any of the other games? What happens to the past world if Link dies in the adult timeline? Are we following that one, or the future world? Quite a few questions are raised by this. And as funny as it is to imagine the game over screen during the Ganon fight causing a transition into the Mode 7 Triforce pieces of Link to the Past's intro, it really does just feel random. What makes it even more random is how disconnected the Downfall branch is compared to the other two. The adult branch goes from Ocarina of Time to Wind Waker. Because Link returned to his childhood, he wasn't around in the future Hyrule when Ganon came back so the gods panicked and flooded Hyrule. This set the stage for Wind Waker to happen. Then Phantom Hourglass came out, and it's a very obvious and immediate sequel, because it stars the same Link, it has Tetra again, and it very clearly takes place on their adventures after Wind Waker. Then Spirit Tracks follows the descendants of these characters as they've set up a brand new Hyrule with trains and very little influence from the original Hyrule. Besides having a Princess Zelda, you'll notice there aren't any Triforces anywhere. There's still no Master Sword. A lot of Hyrule-isms are gone. So it's very clear-cut storyline, very consistent beginning-middle-end kind of trilogy. The Child Branch sees Link return from the future and warning the royal family of Ganondorf before he can do any major harm. That sounds kind of like arresting someone before they commit a crime, but I think due to the civil war that is implied to have happened, Ganondorf may have been a part of it. Oh, actually, yeah, I remember now, Ganondorf by this point had already blocked off the Dodongo's cavern to starve the Gorons, so, yeah, he, oh yeah, and the Deku tree, he put Goma in there, uh, okay, yeah, he's he's already done some bad stuff, okay, we're good, we're good, The the Zelda timeline is still PC. Anyway, after Link does all that, he goes to Termina to find... Wait, wait, why does he go look for Na'vi if Na'vi... After doing all that, Link goes to Termina for a while for Majora's Mask to happen, which may or may not be a dream according to new Zelda which may or may not be a dream, according to the Zelda Encyclopedia, which is a writing decision I very much disagree with, but that is a different topic. While Ganondorf gets arrested at some point prior to Twilight Princess, his execution gets botched, and that causes the plot for that game to happen, because then he goes into the Twilight Realm, and he talks to Zant, and sets up that whole mess... These two games fit together in kind of a might-as-well sense. Majora's Mask obviously stars the same Link as in Ocarina of Time, while Ganondorf's Twilight Princess backstory is the closest match to what could have happened once Link returned, and Hyrule is not getting flooded mid-Twilight Princess, so there's also that. But then you get to the third game in this branch of the timeline, Four Swords Adventures, which comes after Twilight Princess. There's really no strong connection to either of those two titles. The closest is the plot thread of Ganondorf getting reincarnated, which actually happens much less often than you'd think, especially compared to Link and Zelda. I think this game could still be traded for one or two in the downfall branch, with only minimal revisions required. Either way, it is interesting that one of the Four Swords trilogy does actually happen later on than the other two. They're not all just confined to the pre-timeline split. It, like, its consequences are actually still felt all the way after Twilight Princess, and it means that... Vati might actually still be alive in at least two of the three timeline branches. The Downfall branch is the most cluttered. Counting the Oracle games as separate entries, it has eight games, compared to the three that the other two have. It has more games to itself than the other two have combined. We go from Link to the Past to Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, to Link's Awakening, to the original Legend of Zelda, then to Zelda II, Adventure of Link. Except, a few years after Hyrule Historia came out, a new book, The Legend of Zelda Encyclopedia, came out with an updated timeline. And a few things were changed. The Oracle Games and Link's Awakening traded places, so now, Link to the Past led to Link's Awakening, and then the Oracle games happened after that. A Link Between Worlds and Triforce Heroes were also released between the books, so they were added as well. The current lineup of this branch is now Link to the Past, going into Link's Awakening, Oracle of Ages, and Oracle of Seasons, A Link Between Worlds, Triforce Heroes, The Legend of Zelda, and Legend of Zelda Two Adventure of Link. Again, this is a full house compared to the other two branches. It really makes me think this branch is kind of a dumping ground for whichever ideas they couldn't finagle into the other two branches. I'm not really sure why certain ones couldn't have happened in the adult timeline or the child timeline. It's kind of interesting that every new game to come out between Hyrule Historia and the Zelda Encyclopedia all fit into the Downfall timeline. It makes me think that they just really want to leave the child and adult timelines pristine. They're really interested in the idea of Link getting killed at the end of Ocarina of Time. And it just makes the Four Swords Adventures placement in the child timeline even more random. I suppose the backstory of Link to the Past references a war of some type, which apparently could only happen if Ganon had struck Link down at some point. Then the backstory for Link's Awakening has him travel the world for various reasons until he gets trapped on Coal Island. Eventually he gets back to Hyrule and gets sent to Labrina and Holodrum, each for the different Oracle games. Then finally, this version of Link is allowed to rest. He's been on like four yeah yeah four adventures compared to all the other links it's canon that this is all the same guy then years later a new link explores hyrule again in link between worlds it's actually kind of neat that this is the second time in the entire branch that hyrule gets explored because link's awakening and the oracle games all take place in different realms So the fact that this version of Hyrule is very faithful to A Link to the Past, a.k.a. the most recent version of Hyrule in this branch, it's... I don't know, it's just really neat. It's the only time it happens in the series, but I still say it's a neat loophole. Then, for some reason, this game transitions into Triforce Heroes. I'm not really sure how or why they fit together, I honestly think it was just Nintendo shrugging and maybe hoping that this game could be carried by the popularity of Link Between Worlds. At the time, A Link Between Worlds was probably the most unanimously loved game since Ocarina of Time. And then at some point, Hyrule falls apart. We get the original game with a new Link and a new Ganon. He's been resurrected and re-killed a couple times. Now he's just randomly back and... Then we get to Zelda 2, which involves Hyrule expanding again. I think it has Link being older, it has an- enemies attempting to bring Ganon back to life. I was reading more of the Zelda Encyclopedia, and it made a really weird connection that maybe Hytopia, the setting of Triforce Heroes, is actually included in Zelda 2. It's the northern part of the world map, because Hyrule in its entirety can be found in... Well, okay, let me rephrase that. Hyrule from the first game in its entirety can be found as just a small section of the world map in Zelda 2. And Hytopia in this timeline is to the north of Hyrule, and... You can go north of the original Hyrule in this game. It's just really silly to imagine this silly, quirky spinoff game from 2015 being tied to the very second game in the series, one of the most classic titles. Just really, really makes me wonder what they were thinking, if they were really trying to go for that, or if they were just going for a might-as-well type of thing. So we get all of these three timeline branches until somehow, some way, they all reconverge and no one in the world of Hyrule could tell you which events are the true history. I personally like to think that maybe all three of the timelines are true, but now the world has found a way to synchronize and reach the same point in all the timelines. I kind of like the idea that time can just kind of fix itself over Over time? I I, I need to find a better way to phrase all that. Either way, the stage is now set for Breath of the Wild. The Hyrule in this game features little nods to details all across the series. It also has some big nods. Then, a hundred years pass for the actual game to begin. And this is as far as Zelda goes. Until the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Unless it's a prequel, but... I really hope it's not a prequel, the timeline is confusing enough! One other point of interest is Hyrule Warriors. I'm sure a lot of this is for legal reasons, what with Tecmo Koei being involved in the game, but where does Hyrule Warriors fit into the timeline? While it's an original version of Hyrule, it draws from the different eras and timelines of the series for its roster, Canonically, it's part of the story that Sia drags different villains and stuff from the different eras in her mad quest to have Link fall in love with her. It's complicated. Is this all really just a fun romp, or does Hyrule Warriors take place somewhere in the Zelda cosmology, yet exist outside of the timeline? I doubt we'll ever know for sure. In the Zelda encyclopedia, there is a footnote mentioning, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the timeline is open to interpretation and can change as new information is revealed. This footnote is in reference to Link's Awakening trading trading places with the Oracle games. And I think that says to me that Nintendo doesn't really care about the timeline. It was more of an afterthought, and to... throw a bone to the fans who really did care about that stuff. If they can change the timeline so easily, is it worthwhile to get attached to any particular ideas presented? I'm really not so sure anymore. Well, I obviously won't stop people from having their fun, and I'll probably keep the timeline in mind myself, I'm not going to lose any sleep over how a new Zelda game will fit in every time one comes out anymore. For all we know, tomorrow they could decide that Triforce Heroes actually happen between Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess. There's just no telling. It's their world. They can do that if they want. Like, like, like Bob Ross says, it's your world. You can do whatever you want here. At home, I can only take out the trash. I, I need to work on my Bob Ross impression. Anyway, there are some neat implications created by this timeline. For example, Ganondorf is the last character of the big three to come into existence. By the time of Ganondorf's birth, we've already had a few Lynx and a few Zeldas, but it took until Ocarina of Time for Ganondorf, or even Ganon, to make any appearance. And even then, there's been fewer Ganons than there have been Lynx and Zeldas. Ganondorf is the exact same dude in Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Link to the Past. He has a wildly different experience in each branch of the timeline. In the Downfall timeline, he's nothing more than a beast anymore. He dies and resurrects a few times, but he's never Ganondorf anymore, he's always just Ganon. He dies for good at the end of the original game, only coming back if you get a game over in Zelda 2. In the Child Timeline, Ganondorf's botched execution leads to him manipulating Zant before dying and reincarnating as himself again, and turning evil anyway, in Four Swords Adventures. At the final battle, he's sealed within the Four Sword, making this the only timeline branch where Ganon is still alive in some capacity, before Breath of the Wild. In the Adult Timeline, Ganon spends his time between Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker reflecting on his motivations. There's that entire speech before the final battle about how the winds in Gerudo Valley were very destructive and how he coveted the winds of Hyrule. In Wind Waker, he's a lot more introspective. He's matured a bit, even if he's still a megalomaniac obsessed with power. Toon Link stabs him in the forehead with the Master Sword, leaving Ganon, the Master Sword, and Hyrule behind. He makes no further appearances in this timeline branch. Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks go on without him. So, this is Ganondorf's least prolific branch in the timeline. And it's the only one where he's Ganondorf the entire time, and never Ganon. Wind Waker refers to him as Ganon, but he stays in his human form. Another thing about the Four Swords trilogy, Minish Cap was always accepted to be the first in its group, and now it's known that it and Four Swords are together at the very start of the timeline, after Skyward Sword. And, as I mentioned before, Four Swords Adventures, while not the final game in the trilogy to be released, it is the final game in the trilogy chronologically, and it's plopped right at the end of the Child Timeline branch. It's... Only one in the trilogy to involve Ganon, and it's the final defeat of Vati, the Wind Mage. Vati has been the most active villain in the series apart from Ganon, and it's interesting to know that he predates Ganon, canonically. Or Ganonically? Ganondorf interests me because, for all the pomp and circumstance surrounding him, he's just one of many terrible monsters out there. At the end of Skyward Sword, the Demon King Demise curses Link to deal with an incarnation of his own hatred, Demise's hatred, for the rest of time. And he does actually use the word incarnation, and it's highlighted in the game's text, being a subtle nod to Ganon. And for its questionable canon, Hyrule Warriors does play with this. When Girahim detects Demise's presence within Ganondorf, he immediately swears fealty. But time goes on without Ganon, so are the other final bosses a part of Demise's Curse as well? Bellum, Maladus, the Nightmares, are they a part of it? Vati is an interesting contrast to all the other villains in a very special way, in that he's not just some monster out of nowhere. We learn his backstory in Minish Cap. He was just a little Minish, obsessed with the dark desires of man, and he became an arrogant sorcerer who then became a giant eyeball monster. Was he like Ganondorf and existed to oppose Lincoln Zelda? I feel like the series leans strongly on the ideas of fate and prophecies, so I think maybe Vati was influenced by Demise. BUT THAT'S JUST A GAME the Anyway, the bottom line is, I'm not too fussed about the timeline, but I am very interested in a lot of the inferences that it invites you to draw. There's no shortage of things for fans to talk about with each other. Even with my mild disillusionment, I do like imagining just what could possibly have happened to reunite the three different timelines into one, and what bearing that might have on the future of the series lore. What will change? What will stay the same? I look forward to finding out, and I hope you look forward to the next BitCast episode. Remember to keep up with the show on Twitter, and on Podcast One's website and mobile app, and I will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.